by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. And, and countries and allies and sometimes the line is so blurred between um, us protecting you know our home from the enemy and the adversary and some of us not even allowing our allies to come in because the lines are blurred he talked about insects I know he showed pictures of about all these bugs and the importance that uh, these have in our lives as far as allies and keeping things at bay from invading our garden or our homes. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to continue in that series, but I've specifically been charged, led, um, and called to speak about the invasion of our homes. As you guys know, Sarah and I have been um, um, blessed to to have a home that we, we can open it up for the church. We allow baptisms in our pool. We allow FPU. I mean, all these things. We have come to our point in our life and, and in a, a life of contentment. Um, we may never be homeowners. We just love where we are. We love the, the peace that we have. We love the home that God's given us. And it's, uh, we've just, you know, been a, it's been a blessing. Um, and I, if I look back at six or seven years on how that home came about, we were blessed by another person in the church. Literally said, hey, you guys are looking for a home? We got three days. We got to find a place now. And she's like, drive by this house. It was a friend of a friend. They're in there cleaning. The family had just passed away. We walk in. We meet them. Next thing you know, it's six years later. We're still in the same place. We do all the repairs. God has been wonderful in our home. He's protected that home. It's been used by the church. So um, <coughs> I tell you all to tell you this. I have a little experience when it comes to home and things invading my home um, and defending my home as a father of six, as a husband of one, uh, as a man of God, I have to protect certain things in my home. I can't allow certain things to happen. I can't allow certain people to come in and just do what they ever, whatever they want because uh, I believe wholeheartedly um, that God has invaded my home and our family. So before we get started, I'd like to pray. Amen? Amen. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity that you've, uh, you've given us. I thank you for the uh, opportunity you've given me. Uh, I ask that your, uh, 
your word be spoken here this morning, Lord. I, I pray that you be a part of all of it, uh, from worship to, um, uh, to greeting, to the tithe, to the altar, to the message. Lord, I just I ask that your hand be uh, in, every, in every aspect of it, Father God. I pray that our hearts be open and that we'd be willing to be received and receive what's been willing to be spoken, Father God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Real quick, Psalms uh, 11 verse 3 tells us, When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? For most of us, the foundations in our lives is truly our home. When you talk about the family, your home, your children, your privacy, your protection. I couldn't help to, to be reminded of a, a, a TV show that I watched um, I don't know what, what, what channel it was, but the, the title of the TV show was Surviving Disasters. Surviving Disasters and Protecting Invasions. And as I watched, it became obvious that all of us come across disasters. Every single one of us and many of us are invaded some way, somehow. Sometimes good, sometimes evil, sometimes wicked, sometimes horrific, sometimes supernatural, sometimes um, glorifying God. There's always an invasion upon our privacy and our foundations. And when we look at the message this morning, I want you to understand that the only person that truly provides life, protection, is Jesus. I don't, I don't know any other way to put it. If you do not have God in your life, I can assure you things have been invaded in your home. I can assure you you've had a couple of disasters when the, when the sky is falling. I can assure you that you've been robbed or invaded by. On average, over 8,000 homes in this country are intruded every day. When you think it might be happening, it's always best to pray and prepare. In our text today, the Bible speaks of the foundation of righteousness. I just read Psalms 11.3 for you. I submit to you today that the foundation, the safety, our security needs to be our home. If you cannot go home and feel safe, something's wrong. If you cannot go home and feel secure, something is wrong. Somebody has invaded your house and it's not the Lord. And it comes in many ways, shapes, and forms. Don't kid yourself. I'm not ignorant to what we got going on. I'm not ignorant to technology. Uh, like I said, I got six kids, three are in college. They're, they're snapping, they're, they're texting, they're tweeting. There's, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, there's things going on all the time. And it's real easy to let something invade yourself through the cell phone. It's super easy to let your house be invaded by things that come on the internet. I mean, you could be watching a show on national TV, Channel 4, and the commercial, I Gotta Hide One of My Four-Year-Old Girl's Eyes. And this is a national broadcast. I want you to understand the home intruders that I'm talking about this morning are not of flesh and blood. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 6, 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Satan and all of his demons are on a lookout for you. Wednesday, 
I talked about, uh, I ended the uh, Bible study by saying, the Bible clearly tells us that the adversary, Satan, is personal to each and every one of us. It doesn't say the adversary, it says your adversary. That leads me to believe that each and every one of us are being spied on and are getting ready to be invaded by our adversary and demonic presence. And you can help it or you could hinder it. And that's on you. Sometimes we don't even know we help it. We don't know that we assist it. We let people into our home. Um, we let things on our TV. Like I said, I mean, from the phone, the iPad, iHome, uh, I mean, you name it. We open doors from the internet, cell phones, TV. These influences and these deceptions take over our home. We allow our home to be invaded. I want to talk to you real quick about deceptions. In 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 13 through 15, the deceptions, these people are false apostles. They have fooled you by disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. But I'm not surprised. Even Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light. So it's no wonder his servants can also do it by pretending to be godly ministers. In the end, they will every bit of have punishment and their wicked deeds be deserved. I got to tell you that sometimes you don't even know what's going on in your own home. <clears throat> when Sarah and I prepare for FPU or if we offer our baptism in our home, we, we have to pray about it. I know it sounds kind of goofy and kind of supernatural and Christianism and all that stuff, but uh, I, I, I've got a lot riding on this home. I've got a lot of kids in this home. I've got a lot of... Uh, good spirits in this home. I can't afford somebody to come in and leave something behind that I don't want anything to do with. And it doesn't matter. It can be as obvious as a, a joint, a roach, or a, a, a beer. It could be, there, I mean, there's a lot of things. It can be something emotionally. It can be something spiritually. It can be something physical. Many of us are so deceived that we think some of the good things some of the bad things are good for us. And I'm, I, I'm up here and I've, I've, I've got to tell you in, in our prayer, the Lord told me just say it like it is, like you've like prepared. But for most of us, some of the bad things we think are good. When we talk about homosexuality, pornography, adultery, lying, cheating, anger, addiction, resentment, unforgiveness, you know, you may not have any addiction, any of that stuff, but your heart is so cold and you don't forgive anybody. God looks at it the same way. You could have a heart of gold and be addicted to alcohol and, and you still need healing from the Lord. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from what we believe. They will follow lying spirits and teachings that come from demons. These teachers are hypocrites, liars, and they will pretend to be religious, but their conscience is dead. When we talk about some of these spirits that enter into our homes through the TV, through the internet, through other people, uh, through music, 
um, when it comes to idolatry, idolatry is truly just putting anything before God. It could be the Trojans, it could be the Lakers, it could be your dance uh, choreography, it could be your finances, it could be um, it could be an addiction, it could be a TV show. Some of us will sit and Netflix binge all day long, not eat all day, but we'll watch TV all day long and get nothing accomplished. Not even a prayer, not even reading the word of God, but you'll spend eight, nine, ten hours on Netflix. But you can't pray to the Lord who's able and willing to heal every single one of us. Gary mentioned it today in his testimony. It's the first time he'd ever cried out for anybody for help. Can you imagine what happens spiritually when a, when a man who's lived a life full of pride did everything and anything he's ever wanted all of a sudden fall to his knees and say, I need help? Man, I envisioned Jesus just jumping out of the throne and saying, this is it. He's ready. I'm going to touch him. He's tried to quit drinking. He's tried to quit smoking. I mean, just these, you know, some, some of us are in hard stuff. Some of us have never been in hard stuff. But to have all that removed within 24 hours? Come on. Dr. Phil ain't got no chance on that. So when you understand that idolatry is putting anything before the Lord, we sacrifice some of the most precious things in order to live a hedonistic life. I want to share a story with you, and we're going to get into some scripture. And this is an Old Testament story, and it's in 2 Kings. So prepare yourself. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 20. <clears throat> Excuse me, and we're going to, thanks, Gary. We're going to read from uh, verse 12. And this is a story about a king by the name of Hezekiah. Don't worry, I will get to a relative New Testament examples for you, but I want to share with you how even the people of Israel, the children of God, allow Satan and the enemy to come in. You know, last Sunday when Pastor talked about, you know, the invasion of country and, and how we need to protect it and how we need to prepare for these things <clears throat> and how the line is completely blurred between our allies and our enemies, this is a great example of how easily it can happen. I guess I should turn there too. 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 12. We're going to read from verse 12. Say amen when you're there. Amen, amen Noel. At the time, Berdoak, Badalin, the son of Badalin, king of Babylon. So here are descendants from the king of Babylon. Babylon is the enemy, okay? Hezekiah is part of the children of God. Present a present to Hezekiah for that they heard that Hezekiah had been sick. Hezekiah was attentive to them and showed them all the house of his treasures, the silver, the gold, the spices, and precious ointment, and all his armor that was found among his treasures. There was nothing in his house or nothing in his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say to you? From where did they come to you? Basically, here's the prophet of God coming to the king, Hezekiah, and say, Hey, well, who are these people from Babylon? Why did they come here? What did they say to you? Listen to Hezekiah's response. They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. 
Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon and nothing shall be left, says the Lord. Isaiah the prophet is telling the king of Hezekiah, because you were a fool and you were prideful and you wanted to show everybody and show the enemy what you got and how you handle your business, guess what? Everything will be taken away and will be sent back to Babylon. Not only did Hezekiah forget God, he failed God and he forsook God. Hezekiah allowed the enemy of God to take over his home, his heritage, his legacy, and his heart. This is a true friend when Isaiah says, what have you showed him? What have you allowed in your house? That question is relevant for us today in this age. Hezekiah invited a home invasion. What have you shown people in your house? Who have you let in? Who have you let invaded? A home invasion. The enemy. Babylon was an enemy of God and hated God and all its people. These people were not men of God. See, the challenge with many of our home invasions and intruders, one, uh, uh, Smart robbers don't come in the middle of the day when there's three cars in the driveway. They come at night. They come when you're not prepared. And spiritually speaking, Satan doesn't come up with a pitchfork and horns. He comes dressed in a, some fine jeans, looking super cute, with a halter top that you could see right through, and yet you're a married man allowing an invasion right now in your eyes and in your heart. See, Satan came, comes as a sincere helper. He appears sweet to many of us. He knows what you like. He's going to tempt you with those things. He knows your thresholds. He knows your ability to maintain certain things. Uh, I, it, it's like the old adage, you know, you don't send a recovering addict to witness to somebody and pray over somebody at a bar. That's just not wise. We get it that he's been healed, but you don't put him in a position like that. Senses take over him, smells, uh, I mean, all these things. You don't take a break with all the smokers at work when you're trying to quit. See, Satan will come sincere, he will appear sweet, and he will entertain you. So when I ask you, what's your adversary dangling in front of you? You have to think about that. What is he putting in front of you? It's not easy. I get all that. I've been there. He's subtle. He's smooth. He snares, he seizes, and he steals. I'll repeat that if you, don't want, if you want to write those down because those are the characteristics of your adversary. He's subtle, he's smooth, he seizes, and he steals. You know, we talked uh, last Wednesday real, real quickly on Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, praying so hard knowing that he's going to get crucified and his boys are falling asleep. 
I had an awesome talk with a young man and straight up came up to me after church and said, man, I, I need prayer. I need you to help me. He says, I've been caught falling asleep. And I thought, man, you received that. That's cool. Pray on it. Prepare. See, Satan will sabotage, shatter, and slay everything that is very important to you. And because we're not prepared, we're not humble, and we're not willing to pray, you are far from ready to handle this. I'm going to give you three things that we need to have to have a real home invasion that's invaded by the Lord, that's invaded by our Savior, that's invaded by the one person that can heal you, that can love on you, and that can save you, and that's the difference between living this world the way you want it and not being able to live after this world. One, we need perspective. Say perspective. perspective. Two, we need prayer. prayer. Amen. Thank you, Gary. Say prayer. prayer. Three, we need preparation. preparation. Quick story. A rich young Mueller came to Jesus one time and asked him, what is the one thing must I do to receive eternal life? You maybe remember the story, and the young man was good at keeping his rules, good at making money, good at saving it. Jesus told him that the kingdom of God, of God was not about keeping rules. Go and sell everything you have and follow me. Many of us know how the story ended. His heart broke. He got sad. He couldn't sell all that he had. Another rich young Euler, by contrast, does something spectacular. This tax collector in the Roman Empire in this day was very successful. I'm talking about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector in the Roman Empire and was in charge of other tax collectors. Why? Because he was so successful, these guys used to get a, a, um, a, um, a grade of how much they needed to collect taxes on, and they collected taxes on everything. And if they collected taxes above and beyond what they were supposed to collect, that was their personal profit. So Zacchaeus was very wealthy because he was very good at his job. He heard about Jesus coming to Bethany, and this dude it just says he's short. I, I don't know how short. They said he couldn't see over the crowds. I can't tell you how short this guy was. There is stories of the Bible that Shuites, Shuites, but uh, just kidding. <laughs> That's in the Old Testament. I'm talking about Zacchaeus in the New Testament. So short that he climbed a tree just to see Jesus. In Luke chapter 19, turn with me. We're going to read the story, and I'm going to share something with you in contrast with the other rich young ruler who could not sell all that he had. Luke chapter 19. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho into Bethany. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. 
who was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, but could not because of the crowd, for he was a short, he was a short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place at that tree, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus. This man has never met Jesus before. Jesus knew him by his name. I'm here to tell you, you may have never met Jesus, but he knows you by your name. He says, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. Can you imagine the Son of God coming to you and saying, hey, i got to stay at your pad. I have to stay at your house. What do you have to clean? What do you have to change? What do you, I mean, what, is the, what goes through your mind when, when God himself says, I need to stay at your house? So he made haste, came down, and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Now this is the crowd saying, How is this Jesus going to the tax collector's house? Then Zacchaeus, in verse 8, stood and said to the Lord, Lord, I give all of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusations, I restore it fourfold. This is a huge contrast to the other rich young ruler who couldn't sell any of his belongings and follow Jesus. This guy not only invites and is willing to have Jesus come to him, he volunteers to pay back everything that he's extorted from people. Fourfolds. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. When you talk about a home invasion, this is the perspective you need. Because number one, perspective, Zacchaeus had it right. He was so humble and so willing to let Jesus invade his home, invade his heart, invade his mind, invade his finances. This is the perspective we have to have to allow an invasion from God Almighty and to keep the adversary from invading our home. Amen? Amen. He says, today salvation has come to this house. Can you imagine the Son of God telling you, today salvation has come to your house and everybody that comes in it will be blessed because of you, because of humility, because of your perspective, because you know you've stolen from people and you're willing to give fourfold back. Perspective. Because he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save which was lost. There's no other business on this earth for Jesus than to save those that are lost. The Bible clearly tells us he's not here for the rich. He's not here for the prideful. He's here for those who need to be saved. Perspective. That's one home that had the right perspective. And that home was invaded by God himself. And Jesus brought salvation into this home because Zacchaeus had the right perspective. Number two, I said we have to have is prayer. Our homes need to be a house of prayer. Uh, One of the girls that was up here was my daughter, and she loves this song called 
house of prayer. So in school, but before school, when I take them to school, I mean, she will just rock out, make me a house. Of and so I've got my phone. I know this is stupid and immature, but I'm filming it while I'm driving down Imperial Highway, but I, I can't help it. I, I just enjoy the fact that she understands at the age of four, Lord, make me a house of prayer. I'll tell you another cool story. This girl, she would always tuck her head into her shirt, like pull her collar into her shirt, and I would get mad. I'd be like, why, why, are, you, why are you stretching out your shirt? Don't do that. I, I hate having that big neck and, you know, all these things. And, and she would never answer, never answer. So I was so frustrated. I told Sarah one day, I don't know why she does it. She's like, well, why don't you ask her? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't think about it. She's four. <laughs> So one day I catch her again in the rear view. Why are you putting your head in your shirt? Don't do that. Why do you do that, Aaliyah? You know what she said? I'm listening to God. She tucks her head in her shirt so she can't hear her twin sister, so she can't hear all the other noise, and just worships and listening to God. This is She's four years old. I didn't have anything to do that. I take that back. God had something to do with it through me. But when your house is a house of prayer, these are the things that happen. Not only from a generational standpoint, but also from your children's standpoint and a spiritual standpoint. Last week, I wasn't even here, and I listened to pastor's message about Nate and Naomi praying over kids at school. These are eight and nine-year-old kids. Man, if you're not praying, how, how do you talk to God? How are you asking? How are you begging? You have a, a grown man begging for help. I didn't have that privilege. I was forced into help. Secondly, your house needs to be a house of prayer to keep the adversary out and to allow God invade. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. This is a very cool story. We could do a whole series on this. But I'm going to read from verse 38, Luke chapter 10. Man, I'm getting old. I can't even see unless I step in the spotlight. Verse 38, now it happened as they went, he entered a certain village. She's talking about Jesus. He entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Somebody who has nothing to hide says, Lord, you're welcome into my house. Later on, we're going to read that they were very good friends. He had a very good relationship with them. And a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha, this is the one that opened the invite to Jesus, was distracted with much serving. Sometimes what is good is not godly. Here's one woman who was serving everybody in the house because Jesus came with his disciples, and Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha walks by. See, in the old days, women just didn't sit down like that. You were serving. You were carrying water. You were cooking. You were cleaning. You were preparing, whatever it might be. I know some of your husbands just nudged your wives. Be careful. Be careful. Don't play that game in here. <laughs> so Martha was distracted with much serving and approached him and said, she comes up to Jesus. Lord, do you not care that my sister's not helping me? That's how good the relationship was. They knew each other. Remember, their brother Lazarus is the one that Jesus raised from the dead. When Jesus found out Lazarus was dead, he cried over their agony. 
It's only the second time where the Bible speaks of Jesus truly being anguished. So he knows these people, and it's obvious because Martha calls him out and says, Hey, dude, don't you care that she's left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. You know what Jesus' response was? Martha, Martha, you were worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. You know what that means? This girl's in prayer, she's in my word, and whatever she receives will never be taken away from her. That's having a house open to the Lord and protected from an invasion. If you're not in prayer and in word, your house could easily be invaded. I don't know how you talk to the Father without being in prayer. Some of us do it publicly. Some of us do it throughout the day. Some of us do it privately. Some of us do it all the time and do all those ways. Can I tell you, the one moment, the one moment you lose sight of God's love for you is what? If you think about your entire day, there are moments and times in your day that you lose sight that God loves you. And it's only one word, worry. The moment you worry, you have forgotten that God loves you. Because you have put your emotional well-being before God's love for you. The moment you worry, you have forgotten God's love for you. But when you're in prayer, when you're sitting at Jesus' feet, when you're in the word, you're not worrying. You're not worrying about the pad or the dinner or if Peter got his second serving of whatever. You're not worried about any of this. You're sitting at the Son of Man's feet in prayer and in word. That's protecting your home. That's protecting your home. So we talked about perspective and Zacchaeus' perspective. We talk about Martha and Mary and Mary having the right mindset and doing the godly thing, not just the good thing. Prayer needs to be a part of your home. So that song that Aaliyah sings... Almost every day on the way to school is, Lord, make me a house of prayer. Lord, make me a house of prayer. She may not understand. She may not mean it. But for a four-year-old, when you say that day in, day out, trust me, something's working. I may never see it. The Lord may take me away before I see what he's going to do in her life. That's all good with me. I'm going to trust him because he's probably a better parent than I am. But to think that she is begging God to become a house of prayer and that God will use that request to protect her, to provide from her, to keep her from some of the things mom and dad went through or her brothers and sisters go through, whatever the case may be. Prayer. Prayer. Lastly, we're going to look at the last P. Luke chapter 22, verse 7. And I know we talked about this two weeks ago in our Bible study in the preparation for the Passover, but I, want to, I wanted to read it from the Gospel of Luke and his point of view. But Jesus and his disciples are preparing for Passover. The last P that I gave you to keep your home from being invaded by the adversary and allowing God to invade your home, it needs to be prepared. No ifs, ands, or buts. 
you know, the Financial Peace University class we're doing, baby step number one is get an emergency fund, get prepared. What happens is when you're prepared, sometimes, some, some way, somehow, supernaturally, emergencies just don't pop up all the time. Not every single thing that happens in your life, the sky's falling. When you're prepared, there's a bit of grace and a, a bit of protection that's around your preparation that keeps you from losing your mind if something goes wrong. If you've got a flat tire, or the tranny goes out, you've got a savings, whatever the case may be. Preparation does something supernaturally to our homes. I'm here to tell you this morning that your home needs to be prepared. Your home needs to be prepared. Prepared to, ter to protect. Prepared to be on the offensive. Prepared to become a house of prayer? In Luke chapter 22, verse 7, I'm going to start there. Then came the day of unleavened bread, and when the Passover, and when the Passover must be killed, he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. We are getting into Jesus going into the Passover, it speaks of him being the Passover lamb that would be sacrificed. These are the three guys that he took to the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane. These are the three guys that fell asleep with him. These are his boys. And I told you last week, sometimes you need friends and family members to get you to a certain point. The rest of the disciples stayed at the Garden of Gethsemane. These three came up to him until he left them in the middle of the garden and went and prayed by himself and they fell asleep. But we all need people in our lives to get us further. But at some point in time, you've got to prepare to do things between you and the Lord, just like Jesus did between him and his father. So these are the three guys still with him. He says, go and prepare the Passover that we may eat. So they said to him, where do you want us to prepare? These guys are roamers. They don't have homes. They're going from town to town preaching the gospel. He tells them, go prepare the largest meal of the year. They respond to Jesus saying, where do you want us to prepare? So they said to him, where do you want us to prepare? He said to them, behold, when you have entered a city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room? Where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. Then he will show you a large furnished upper room. There make it ready, or there, prepare the Passover, or there, prepare our meeting, or there, prepare our last supper. So they went and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. This man that's not named in the Bible, who's carrying a water jug in town that gets noticed by the disciples, just as Jesus had planned supernaturally prior, is already prepared for the king to come to his house. Are you? Is your home prepared for the Passover? Is your home a house of prayer? Do you have the right perspective? What's interesting is very few men in those days, I know, carried jugs of water. That was the women's jobs. Here, specifically, Jesus tells them, you will see a man who's willing to do what he shouldn't be doing and preparing his own house carrying a jug of water for us to have Passover. 
Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper then, that day, at that place. When the hour had come, they sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And they said to him with fervent desire, I have desired to eat the Passover with you before. I suffer, for I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. This is the last supper that was completely prepared for and had a house that was prepared by a stranger for Jesus and his disciples to have the Passover. How many of us are prepared to open our house for strangers? I get it. You've got to be cautious about who you let in. The Bible also tells us if somebody's hungry, you don't just give them a rock. If somebody needs a place to stay, yes, your house needs to be a house of, prepare, of prayer. Yes, you need to be prepared. Yes, you have that right perspective. But if somebody needs a place to stay, by all means, use your house. If it's prepared. Some of us don't even realize that there's people in this I mean, we are the richest country in the world and the best country in the world, regardless of what's going on. I understand, but I'll take that anytime, any moment. <laughs> and we still have families that don't have homes. We still have children that sleep on the street. We do Junior Does Feeding Friends in Santa Ana. We do um, Skid Row. We do all these things. Would you be willing to let somebody stay in your house? Would you be prepared? Would the house be prayed over? Would you have the right perspective? If you don't open your house, who will? This is something that God has blessed you with, and so many of us are so selfish with our blessings, we never pass it forward. So selfish. Yeah, oh, this is mine. This is where I, I don't care. Our neighbors have nice homes. Our neighbors have everything. And they're like, oh, you guys are renters. Yeah. We're renters. Oh, we don't own our home. Sorry. But we have a loving home. We have a home full of prayer. We have a home that's protection. We have a home that's prepared for. And truth be told, those kids love to come to our home because God has invaded our home. And I'm going to end the message by telling you there's only one single reason for you to allow God to invade your home. One single reason. There's many examples of God coming into home. Many examples in the Bible. We can go through 15, 20 stories just in one book, one New Testament read this story for you real quickly. One of the days while Jesus was teaching, some proud religious law keepers and teachers of law were sitting by him. They had come from every town in the countries of Galilee and Judea from Jerusalem. The power of the Lord was there to heal them. Some men took a man who was not able to move his body to Jesus. They carried him on a bed. They looked for a way to take him into the house where Jesus was, but they could not find a way because so many people were there. Here's somebody that needed a place to stay. Here's somebody that needed some healing. Here's somebody that needed salvation. And four of these men, friends, take this man to Jesus. They can't get him in because the house is packed. They cut open the roof and they lower the man on a bed down to Jesus. 
They left the bed with the sick man down before Jesus, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the men, Friend, your sins are forgiven. That's Luke chapter 5, verse 17. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 15, Jesus enters the city of Capernaum, and an army officer came to him begging for help. The officer said, Lord, my servant is at my home in bed. He can't move his body and is in much pain. Jesus said to the officer, I will go and heal him. The officer answered, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come in my house. You only need to command it and my servant will be healed. Here, this, this man is saying, listen, I know you don't need to be present to heal, but I'm only asking you that you speak it into existence. This is not even an Israelite because Jesus tells us just later after that, he says, I tell one soldier, go, he's basically telling him that he has authority and that he's under authority. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. He said to everybody that was following, I'm telling you the truth. This is the greatest faith I have found even in Israel. Many people will come from east and from the west and they will sit and eat with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But those people who should be in the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where people will cry and grind their teeth with pain. Jesus said to the officer, Go to your home, your servant will be healed just as you believed he would. And a servant was healed that same hour. When Jesus went to Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law sick, was in bed with a fever. Jesus touched her hand and the fever left when she stood up and began to serve Jesus. Before you know it, if you have an invasion in your home and you need God Almighty to invade your home, you have to understand that the enemy is stealing, seizing, and taking life from you. And the only reason, the only thing that you need to have Jesus come in for is healing. Every single example of the Bible where Jesus was in a home, healing happened. It could be healing from addiction. It could be from a fever. It could be from death. When you allow Jesus to invade your home, you are allowing healing to happen. I had an epiphany studying this and preparing this. I'm like, that's all that happened. Every single time, healing happened. Let God into your house. See what, see what he heals. He may heal your finances. He may heal you physically. He may heal you spiritually. He may save you. He told Zacchaeus, your house Upon your house has salvation come, a healing of sin. He raised Lazarus from the dead, a healing from death. He raised the officer's servant, a healing from sickness. Man, I gave you the three tools that you need offenses or to be a f on the offense when it comes to preparing your home. You need the right perspective. Your home has to be a house of prayer. And what was the third one? Your home needs to be prepared. Your home needs to be prepared. Because when you have those three things in your home, you allow Jesus to invade. And when Jesus invades healing, comes across the land.
It could be your marriage. It could be your child. It could be anger. It could be resentment. It could be finances. Whatever healing needs to be done, when Jesus invades a home, that's where healing begins. Last example. In Mark chapter 5, verse 31. Actually, I'll start in verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking to the crowd, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. They tell him, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Don't go up to Jesus and ask for a miracle. Your daughter has already passed. A fever has overtaken her. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, do not be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except for Peter, James, and John, again his boys. The brother of James, when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in. Why all this commotion and wailing? When Jesus is not about your home, there's always chaos. When Jesus is not about your home and in your business, there's always chaos. The child is not dead but asleep, and they laughed at him. Sometimes when your home is all about Jesus, people will laugh about your home. And that's all right. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, went in there where the child was. He took her by her hand and said to her, Talitha, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. Tells us that she was 12. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. When Jesus is part of your home, there is healing. That's all we need. We need healing from sin. We need healing from sickness. We need healing from anger, from addiction, whatever it might be. That's all you need is healing in your home. When you allow Jesus to invade your home with these offenses, prayer, preparation, and perspective, the enemy will not be a part of it. How do we do this? We go at it with all that we have. All that you have. This is life and death we're talking about. This is your marriage. This is your children. This is healing for sickness. This is healing for your finances. Whatever the case may be, you go all out. Here I am. I, I can't get over Gary's testimony. Here I am crying out, a grown man. I can't do this myself. Help me. That's what the Lord desires. Perspective, prayer, and preparation. Matthew 16, 18, the last scripture, And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is the picture of the believers moving forward, pressing onward because of the knowledge that Jesus is our Lord. When this happens, the demonic forces, Satan himself, are no match and are no battle for Jesus. Because if he's yours, you're protected. And if he's yours, who could be against you?
This morning, we'll have some time to pray. Worship team, if you can come on up. This morning, we'll have some time to pray. And I don't know everybody in here. I don't know everybody's story. And and I don't mean to be insensitive. And uh, I, I don't need to. The Lord needs to know it. It's between you and God. Nobody, nobody's here to judge where you are, where you're going, how you get there, where you've come from. We all fall short, all of us. None of us in here are perfect. So don't kid yourself. But I can tell you, you need salvation, you need prayer, you need the word, you need faith. This is the invasion that needs to come into your home. Needs to come into your heart. Some of us are so prideful. We just want to do what we want to do. And hope that it all ends well. I got to tell you, my friend, that's not the hope that will get you to salvation. That is not the hope that will keep you from hell. That all of us were destined for. So as we sing... And we pray, regardless of your healing needs, you know that if Jesus is in your home, if you allow him to invade your heart and in your home, healing will transpire. So it doesn't need to be specific. The Bible tells us that God knows all your needs before you even ask. So why even waste the time? Come up and pray, I need you to invade my home. I need you to invade my heart. You know what I need. You know where I'm at. But right now, here I am. Right now, here I am. Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you, Lord, for all the healing that you've already done. I thank you for all the examples of You invading homes, you protecting homes, you rectifying homes, you rebuilding homes, you restoring homes. All of us need you. And those that have you need more of you. For those that don't have you need you like nobody's business. Man, Lord, I just ask, Father God, that you continue to heal you heal each other. We, 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 heal. we heal from the inside out. I pray over some of the demonic things that, that we are so hooked on. I, I pray over some of the, the things that we can't get away from. And some, some of us men can't even help but look the wrong way and look at things that we shouldn't look at. Some, some of us women can't help but be so stubborn and so prideful and so frustrating. We all need healing in all aspects of our lives. We all need healing. And you've given us all these examples where in homes that you've invaded, you have caused healing. I'm asking you, Lord, please cause healing right here, right now. Please, for those that are us that are willing to come up here, for those that are us in our seats, God knows your needs. God knows your prayers. God knows the desires of your heart. 
And the greatest thing about this, in all these examples, all the people that were around the healing process were amazed. This is our desire, that our friends and our family would be amazed so we can glorify you in all of this healing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.